Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller & Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller & Condon. Welcome back, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors our weekly conversation with our friend David Kaplan. He joins us from Sweet Home Chicago. Cap Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Capper? I am awesome. How are you guys doing? I'm just trying to stay safe and healthy. Indeed. Boy, Illinois' numbers off the charts, Cappy. I think they had the most positive new cases in the entire country yesterday on a state-by-state basis. But let's talk some sports because they go on. I want to start with the embarrassing Tony LaRusa story that was bad when it first came out. It got worse when the police report was made public. When I mean, anybody who plays the Do You Know Who I Am card... Uh, it's not a good look and the Hall of Famer and this is my ring and I'm legit. And the fact that uh, apparently there were so, so so many concerned citizens following him, uh, his car at one point, that they alerted the authorities. Cap, this is not a good look for the White Sox ownership. Uh, will Tony La Russa make it to the south side and manage the White Sox based on this new information? Uh, what we're being told is that the Sox are claiming they were aware of everything going on with Tony and that his employment is not in jeopardy. Now, if you, I don't know if I believe that or not. I mean, I have no reason. They've never lied to me at the White Sox, but, I mean, what are they supposed to say? I said on the air on my show this morning that if I was Tony La Russa, I don't care if I told Jerry... I didn't tell Jerry. This thing's gone to a completely different level mm-hmm. where, hey, uh, that's a Hall of Fame. I'm a Hall of Famer per- baseball person. That's my Hall of Fame ring there, brother. I mean, now you've become a punchline to where you've got Marcus Stroman, who I think just picked up his qualifying he did with the Mets yep. staying there. But he came out and said, no amount of money would I want to play for that guy. Well, that's not a good look for your baseball team when if you go back to the day they were eliminated by the Oakland A's, yeah, everyone was bummed. They didn't feel like Ricky handled the pitching staff that day as well as he could have. But no White Sox fan wasn't chomping at the bit for the next season to start. We got this good young team. They're a lot of fun, blah, blah, blah. Then, oh, wow. They're going to change out the manager, and they're going to try and upgrade their all-in. 
And guess what happens? You get Tony LaRussa, who you can – I also made this case today. You guys can tell me if I'm nuts. You can absolutely, just on his baseball acumen, say that's a home run. But then when you add in all the other stuff, instead of upgrading, you downgrade it. That's how I see it, Cap. I mean, his resume speaks for itself. He's a Hall of Famer, uh, but I just don't know how you can get past this. The, no, it was bad, and and I don't believe the White Sox, Cap. I don't. And and here here's my take on this. It, it makes them clearly look better uh, that um, that they came out and say, no, no, we were told, and uh, we we we're we're aware of what's going on. Um, Larusa makes him look better if he comes out and he says that yes, we did, uh, we I, I did make the White Sox aware of this. I just don't see how this can can go forward. I really don't. And you're right; he's a really good manager. Um, how he was going to work with the young players that was going to be something that we were going to watch play out. But uh, what happened when the police report became public? I I think it's a uh, it's a hard stop. Yeah, when you have the police department say or the police officers, I should say, say, yeah, he wasn't, what was the word? He was argumented. Mm-hmm. This is his second right. DUI. Now, I've never had one, thank God, and I have a rule that I literally will not have, a, let alone a glass of wine, not a sip of a drink, not a toast, nothing. And there are some people probably listening right now go, all right, that you carry it to an extreme. Well, guess what? I work in the public eye. People know who I am. Whether they like me, hate me, it doesn't matter. If I get nailed for a DUI, guess where it's going to be? Mm-hmm. On the back page of the freaking Sun-Times. I'm not going to be that guy. And I cannot believe that a man of Tony LaRusso's wealth, intelligence, all of it, doesn't look and go, all right, let me get an Uber here. Before you ever take a sip. Yes, you may make bad decisions when you've been drinking, but before you ever take a sip, you know, I'm getting ready to drink here. How am I getting home? Mm-hmm. That's what really, really pisses me off. Cap, as we go through this, and let's say the White Sox are still fine with it, they'll take the blowback, and LaRusse is out there, and he's part of the team how short of a leash is he going to have? And if this team gets off to a bad start, I don't think they have the full staff in place, but is there anybody currently part of the coaching staff that is next in line? I know the bench coach right now is Joe McEwen, the former Met. Would he be the guy, a younger guy? What direction would they go if this blows up in their face all of a sudden it's June and they're 12 games under five hundred? No, they're not. Are you kidding? They're not doing anything. They're not changing anything. If he starts the season... It won't matter if they're 28 games under five. (laughs) That's not going to happen. A, their talent level will not allow them to be that bad. A, B, this is their hand-picked guy. They're not going to say, all right, it's a two-month sample size if we start on time, and we're going to make a move. There's zero chance. I don't care if he hires Bruce Bochy as his bench coach, which he's not. There's no chance that they're firing him based on performance. Now, again, could Tony come to Jerry today and go, look, I I apologize. I didn't mean to put you in this type of situation. I think it's best if I just walk away. As he should. I don't think that's going to happen, but that is the only way I see it happen. Uh, Cap, I'd love a a poll at ESPN 1000. If you guys would have known this, A.J. Hinch with his baggage or La Russa and now this 
baggage that has come to light. And I know that there was a bunch of fans, White Sox fans, that didn't want any part of A.J. Hinch because of the cheating with the one on with the Astros. That would make an interesting poll. So just one more on this, and I want to get to the Bears. Um, you guys at ESPN 1000 t- Cap teased a major announcement on Tuesday that was coming the next day. It's subsequently been put on hold. Can I connect the dots between these two is- uh, to these incidents? Uh, can you, uh, connect, you can connect anything you want. I would never <laughs> tell my friend Ken how to connect anything. All right. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Trent, take away. Let's get into the bears and maybe from bad to worse as they get ready for Monday night football. They're five and four, but they are certainly feeling more like the team that everybody felt at the beginning of the season, even with the five and two start where you at right now, just an overview where, where Cappy sits here on a Wednesday. I said to you guys last week, you can bring the tape back, that I was throwing in the towel on this regime. And I like Ryan and I like Matt a lot as people. They're really, really good guys. And they work hard. But in the end, the question was posted to me on the air, okay, you're the owner of the Bears. You have this $4 billion asset. And that's what they're worth, $4 billion. Mm. And we've got to make a decision. What do you want to do here, Cap? Do you want to, you know, fire these guys? Do you, what do you want to do? Well, i got to look at it and go, hold on a second. Are we one player away on offense? No. How many are we away? Well, we probably can get by with our receiving core. We certainly need at least three offensive linemen, at least. We definitely need a quarterback. That's four. Maybe one more receiver, maybe, but certainly four impactful players on the offensive side of the ball. I don't know where you're getting those guys. Where are they coming from? So in the end, I would probably say, guys, I really appreciate the effort. I really do. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring in a new voice. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing in somebody to head up football operations. And if he wants to keep Ryan as his GM, God bless him. But I'm bringing in somebody who's got a track record. I'm going to pay him what it takes. We're going to get this thing fixed. Because what we're watching on a week-to-week basis offensively is 100% embarrassing and unacceptable. Yeah, it's garbage, Cap. Boy, this the, the Monday night game feels so big for both teams, right? I mean, the Bears have now lost three straight. They're, they're still uh, above 500 at five and four. There's playoffs in reach. I know that sounds crazy, the way they're playing right now, but this, to me, is a, a tipping point in the season. They get this one, then maybe they can hang around. Vikings, on the other hand, Cap, they're playing their best football of the year, and they had a, a difficult climb to get to this point. They're still three and five, but at four and five makes them look like they're very much alive. Major, major impacts for both teams, which leads me to believe we might get a pretty good football game on Monday. Yeah, I hope that we do. Look, it it comes down to are the Bears going to be able to run the ball effectively enough to set up their passing game because their offensive line does not allow you to run the playbook that Matt brought with him from Kansas City. That's just a fact. And I had Dan Orlovsky on today. He was one of my favorite He's guests. really good. And He's great. And Dan said, I don't believe this team has a chance because they're being let down by their head coach. Mm. Yes, 
The GM made mistakes, didn't address the O-line effectively. They told us last spring, oh, no, 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 the offensive line is going to be fine. We hired Coach Juan Castillo. Well, unless Juan Castillo puts on about 80 pounds and can block, (laughs) it really isn't going to matter. So I think it's ridiculous to think the O-line would get better moving on from Harry Heastan, who they fired, who they're paying a million eight to not work this year. Mm. And by the way, let's go back to last offseason, the all-pro list of the five offensive linemen in the NFL. First team, three of them were developed by Harry Heastan. So please don't tell me we're better because of Juan Castillo. And that's not a shot at Juan Castillo. It's a shot at you don't have enough talent. It's absolutely incredible, this organization. $4 billion, like you mentioned. And and I think it goes higher than Nagy, higher than Pace. But it's not going to happen. Things are not going to change at the top level, and that's what they are. So are there any names? Is there a young GM that excites you, somebody that can build the team and, and build this team in a way that works in the 21st century? Because anymore, you can't get by with the old adage, defense and run the football and you're going to win games. It's a different level in the NFL any names at all that have popped up to you? Um, there's really, you know, nobody that I'd go, I got to get that guy to run my team. I would just, if I was the owner, I would do an exhaustive search of every top college guy, every assistant GM in every organization. I'd certainly look at the Steelers and go, I want to oh, be a yeah. franchise like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a Peter King came out yesterday and said, you might be able to trade for Bill Belichick, who might want a new challenge. No, not giving up draft capital for Bill Belichick, who he's not coming to coach my team, and that's the thing he does the best. He's a lousy general manager. So, yeah, hard pass on that idea. So I don't have the name I would hire today. Lewis Riddick would certainly get an interview. Mm. But they have got to figure out their offensive line before they even worry about the quarterback spot. Uh, Cap, last thing for you. Um, we've gone 20 minutes or 15 minutes, whatever it is. Uh, have it not touched on the Cubs, which is surprising in our conversations. Any news, Cappy, along the Cubs? Uh, I still think that there's a chance that they non-tender by the December 2nd deadline. They non-tender someone of consequence. Now, is that going to be Chris Bryant? I think that's still to be determined. I think Jed and Theo are calling around going, all right, what can we get for KB? And they're finding not a whole lot. He's got approximately $20 million he's going to get in arbitration. Now, it'll be prorated if the season's shorter, but that's still going to be the base number they're working off of. Kyle Schwarber is going to be, what, seven, eight, nine, ten million dollars to hit what, a buck eighty-nine? Chris hit what, 206 or 196 or whatever, 199, whatever it was. So I still think there is a strong chance that someone of consequence on the Cubs currently gets non-tender. Uh, and last thing, Cap, any speculation as to when we will uh, find out what Major League Baseball is at least planning or putting on paper as far as the 2021 season. When do you think we'll get any uh, hints about uh, when baseball will resume? I think they have to let some of this uh, vaccine stuff play out. Mm -hmm. And if we truly have a vaccine that is available to not just the first responders and the doctors and the nurses and the high-risk people, that it's truly 300 million doses are out there 
and we can all get vaccinated and get our lives back, then I think they're more willing to play a bigger schedule. But I can tell you, the projections inside the Chicago Cubs office are not encouraging financially. If we don't have fans back, you think they had issues this year? Try adding two seasons without fans together. You're looking at a team that will probably, because they garner 70% or so of their annual revenue, come from game day operations. The hotel, the restaurants, the tickets, the jerseys, the memorabilia, the beer sale, all of it. You're looking at a team that will have losses north of $300 million. Not many businesses can survive that. Oh, geez. Uh, so 162 looks like uh, probably not going to happen. And then the trickle-down cap. I mean, just uh, just south of where Trent and I are broadcasting from right now, southeast is uh, Principal Park where the AAA team plays, as you well know. What's minor league baseball going to look like? And so many minor league teams can't stand back-to-back seasons without baseball as well. They don't have that television contract that at least eases the pain a little bit. Cappy, great stuff as always, Cap. Thank you, pal. We'll talk to you in a week's time. I look forward to it. Stay safe and healthy, everybody. Yep, you do the same, pal. David Kaplan, sponsored by Centurion Stone. Centurion Stone of Iowa. You can check them out online. That is the website, Centurion Stone of Iowa. If you are in the market for manufactured or natural stone, going to update that rec room, maybe a fireplace upstairs or downstairs. Hell, why not both? Uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa can help you with any project of any size. Centurion Stone of Iowa, variety of pattern styles and colors for your every need. You can check them out online. The website again, Centurion Stone of Iowa. The showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Justin Luch, Joe Farron, thank you uh, for making it possible for us to have Cappy Good stuff on a cap today. It was a lot of different interesting avenues to go and the Cubs are are they going to just become an afterthought in our conversations during the summer? Is it trending that direction? I hope not because well then then it's up to your twins right. and it's, let's go the Royals and Royals and <laughs> yeah. and the White Sox a little bit uh-huh. the Cubs move the needle Trent they as do. you well know in, in the uh, non football or college basketball season of sports radio yeah it sounds as though they're preparing to I mean they're certainly not going to spend any money and no. they're not alone I mean how'd you like to be a free agent this year this 2020 I'm going to break the bank. Look, the kids, whoever that is, has made millions playing the game. And they'll make millions more. And they will, but maybe not to the extent that they thought. And Chris Bryant with uh, with Scott Boros as your agent, mm-hmm. are these owners going to want to deal with that guy? Nope. I don't think so either. 11.25, time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword... Fun to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. Fun to 200, 200. Your confirmation, text, and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Let's get into the Big 12 next. Basketball and football-wise. K-State developing situation there. 20 guys in the football program. Uh, this is the week. What did you say? There's only two games in the Big 12 Just this two. week? Just two, yes. Um. So we'll talk about the Big 12 next with Matt Postens from Heartland College Sports. 1125 Miller and Condon are on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. 
This ain't your daddy's sports station. Well, well, it probably is, but you get the point. 1460 AM and now 106.3 FM. This is Des Moines Sports Station. Week in building. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM, about 11.30 on a Wednesday morning. Let's get into the Big 12, shall we? We look at those standings at ESPN.com or the Big 12 site, and you click on that conference, and right at the top, your Iowa State Cyclones, 5-1. and one. Uh, They're off this week. It's a late, light schedule in the Big 12 football-wise. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports, he joins the program. Uh, Matt, uh, anxious to talk to you. The Big 12 last week was fun. The uh, Texas-West Virginia game. Uh, was uh, was was appointment TV, especially down the stretch. West Virginia can't feel very good about the way things went at the end of that football game. Um, look, officials are going to miss calls. They're going to see calls that weren't there. They're going to even out. Uh, but Mountaineers fans felt that maybe that uh, that wasn't their day as far as the officiating, it, especially at the end of that football game where I thought there was clearly pass interference in the end zone, yet no flag came out late. Did you see it that way, Matt? Yeah, I, I thought it was a, I thought it was a pretty, you know, questionable flag swallow at that point. Um, but you know, officials also like to let players make plays sure. at the end of games, yep. and it's, it, and you know, having talked to officials in the past, it's a very, it's a very delicate balance. They don't want to, they don't want to do something that's going to help determine the outcome of the game unless it is just, you know, really blatant, and you know that that. That play kind of fell, I think, closer to that category than further away from it. Maybe a flag should have been thrown there, but obviously had a flag been thrown there, it certainly would have altered the course of that game uh, in, in a way for, for West Virginia. So um, those are difficult calls, and they happen in, in every college football game every weekend. It's just for whatever reason, the Big 12, they just seem to get the brunt of it when it comes to those uh, those plays that we question on calls like this every week after games. It seems like the Big 12 is always at the, the focus of it for whatever reason. Well, Texas gets the win. It wasn't pretty, and it came with a little bit of uh, extra there. But here they are, winners of three in a row by week this week before finishing with Kansas on the road, automatic victory. Iowa State, you get them at home and then finish up at K-State. And with the continued problems with the Wildcats, you wonder where they're going to be by the time we get to December Tom Herman, if he runs the table here, how solidified is he in getting this program to the level that people expect? It's so much Sam Ellinger, but the rest of the team, the rest of the program, give us a big overview. They get to a championship game, even if they don't win it. What's the future like for Texas football and Herman? Uh, I think if they manage to find their way into the championship game, and, and they still could. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of football left, yep. and you know, if you get to next week and K State and Iowa State both lose, then the whole conference is knotted up with five two loss teams. And, and well, they I'm can't. Sorry, they Oklahoma play each State. other next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oklahoma State too. So before you even get into that Iowa State game, there's a chance that you could have mm-hmm. five two loss teams in the conference. So every chance there for Texas to still work their way in, if they're able to do it, I think Tom Herman's job is fine. Uh, I, I don't see them 
asking him to, you know, fire coordinators, you know, like he did last year with uh, both of his offensive and defensive coordinators. I think it's going to be a little bit harder for athletic directors to make those kinds of changes this year because I think everybody recognizes the challenges of this year with COVID and everything else that has happened. So, you know, I kind of feel like even if I don't get to the championship game, I think his job is relatively safe. But I think with Stan Ellinger leaving, you know, he really needs to know what he has at quarterback, you know, going into next year because he has meant so much to their team over the last four years and especially the last two. Uh, they they really need to know what they have behind them. And if they, they don't like what they have behind them, they may have to go out looking for a transfer somewhere, either from a junior college or even a, a graduate transfer might fall into their lap. But uh, I, I, I tend to believe he's going to be there as head coach next year, but he's going to be under an even – more extraordinary microscope because when you think about all you know the entirety of Tom Herman's career at Texas, Sam Ellinger has basically been his quarterback. <laughs> now he's going to have to make that yeah. transition away from him, and that's going to be really interesting. No, it really is because he's so fun to watch and such a terrific player. You know who impressed me this past weekend, Matt? Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports Poston's postcards is where you can find Matt on Twitter for you, uh, Big Twelve fans, and of course uh, Matt, Matt Wright uh, covers the Cowboys as well. Um, Baylor Bears, and specifically Charlie Brewer, he's such a gamer. Watching him, you know, keep his team in it after they fell behind a couple of touchdowns. Iowa State, Taylor really two halves. They were awful, and in particular Brock Purdy, awful in the first half. Got it going in the second half. But Charlie Brewer just kept that team, those Bears fighting back. He's a really nice player. He's had the concussion issues. But, boy, he's a gamer, Matt. Yeah, he he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, no matter where you are in the football game, whether you're you're up 40 or you're down 40, you, you always get the same effort. And I, I've seen him in person several times. I caught him against West Virginia last year. And, and that was a tough game against the Mountaineers at home. Cause they won that game, but I think it was like 17-13. It was a really hard-fought defensive game. And, and, you know, Charlie was steady throughout that game. You know, nothing flustered him. Uh, from the pass rush to the situation. And he, he doesn't get enough credit for being that, that steady Eddie kind of player, uh, that he's been at Baylor. And, you know, he's been, he's been taking snaps there as a starter since I think he was a true freshman. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's really kind of grown up with that program. Uh, you know, he's just, you know, you're, you're, he's not going to make very many mistakes, which is what you want out of your quarterback, especially when you have a team that doesn't really have a, a wide margin of error right now with Baylor. Uh, they're not, you know, they're in the bottom half of the standings. They're, they're probably going to end up with a losing season. They've had, a, uh, they've had it rough with COVID, not being able to play all the games they wanted to play. I think that's kind of stunted their growth as a team. Uh, but he's been one of the few good, quality, steady things about their football program this year. I, didn't he take, come in uh, after Stidham left for Auburn, maybe? Brewer? Yeah, that sounds right. Would that makes sense. Uh, I believe he did, but I, I think, think there so. was somebody who started. A, I think it was, was somebody there? who started a few games before he became the full time okay. starter. But I can't remember who it is. All right, no big deal. Just a couple games this weekend, but two at least on paper close games. Intriguing might come down to the wire. I think the better of the two is TCU going out to West yeah, Virginia to take on the Mountaineers. What do you see in that one? Two teams not vying for the conference crown or to get into the title game, but to finish in the upper half. What do you think we're going to see with the Horn Frogs in the years? I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Um, you know, both of those teams are very good defensively. You know, don't rule out the motivation, the fact that they both have three losses right now. Uh, the winner of that team, you know, could, depending on what happens ahead of them the next couple of weeks, 
you know, kind of be in that, you know, mm-hmm. outside looking in area of getting into the conference Need championship help, game. Help. Uh, especially if you have that scenario where you have five two loss teams after uh, after Bedlam, so um, you know I think West Virginia wins because a they've been very good at home this year, they have a very good defense, and while TCU has been good on the road, uh, I, you know I, I, there's a difference in playing in Austin, which is a three hour bus ride away, and, and a and going to Morgantown, where it's a, a two and a half hour flight, and then driving from Pittsburgh to Morgantown for a game. Uh, I'm Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. So one more on football, then a couple of minutes on basketball as you're very good over at Heartland College Sports on Big 12 hoops. Most media days have taken place in the, uh, uh, in the Big 12. The AP rankings have come out and Baylor and Kansas getting a lot of love and Texas Tech and West Virginia and dot, dot, dot. Uh, last thing football for me, Oklahoma. Uh, is playing their best football of the year, and this just isn't predicated on uh, the last two, Texas Tech and Kansas, but they look as though they're putting it together. Two losses, K-State and Iowa State. There's still a, a, a direct path, I think, for Oklahoma to find their way in. Maybe he's not the one, see, but you just want you just want an invitation to play in the championship game. What has changed for Oklahoma? Is it Rattler coming into his own, some of these young skill players starting to get a little better? Because I think Oklahoma uh, is starting to move back towards um, you know their rightful place uh, where they've been anyways over the last decade or so uh, in the Big 12. Yeah, I think we talked a little bit, I think last time we talked about Ramondre Stevenson, uh, the running back who yeah. came back from suspension. Uh, that has certainly helped coalesce their offense. Rattler was certainly getting better. Uh, they were certainly getting guys who were playing better um, in certain roles offensively, but you know, getting him back really solidified their running game and really gave them another tremendous option that uh, I think they're going to be able to capitalize on uh, the past few weeks. Obviously, the defense has played well. Um, you know, I know they gave up uh, a few touchdowns against Texas Tech, but uh, 14 of those points came in the fourth quarter, so they played very consistent defense when it mattered in that game before they pulled away. Uh, same with Kansas. I just kind of feel like all the adjustments that they made coming out of the bye week after that went over Texas, uh, everything has just started coming together for them. And, and you're absolutely right. They don't have to be the number one seed to get into the conference championship game. They just have to be one of the top two. And they've just been kind of lurking there for the past few weeks, waiting to see if Iowa State and Kansas State, the two teams they've lost to, you know, might make a mistake and come back to them. You know, Kansas State's in, in trouble because they don't have their starting quarterback and they've lost two games now. Iowa State's still kind of sitting there in front. But if you end up in a scenario where – you know, Iowa State wins a, you know, ends up as the one seed, and Oklahoma can hang in there and be the number two seed. You know, then they're the two teams we're going to see in Arlington, and, and all that uh, hand wringing before the bye week is for nothing. All right, let's jump into a little basketball with you, uh, Ken. Mention. A lot of top-level teams. Texas Tech looks like they're on the come. West Virginia, I heard Huggins the other day say he thinks this is the most talent he's had in a decade on one of his basketball teams. Going to be fun at the top with Baylor and Kansas. Is there a national championship contender? I know a lot of people really like Baylor and Kansas is Kansas. Can you see a team from this conference, though, ultimately winning it all? I could see, too. Baylor and Kansas. Right Not Texas bat. Tech, okay. Um, well, you know, depending upon how Texas Tech develops. So Baylor is the most experienced team in the conference. Right. They have practically everybody coming back. The only thing that they really lost that they, they might have difficulty replacing is Freddie Gillespie. But they have some options in the front court uh, that can help them. 
They've got a fifth guard named Jonathan Flagler, who was a freshman of the year, I think, in the Big South two years ago before he transferred. He averaged like 14 points a game. Any other year, he'd be a starter. He's their fifth guard. <laughs> That's how deep Jeez. they are at Baylor right now. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, Kansas, their big pro- their big issue is who's going to be the center. I think they have more than enough talent to handle losing Devin Dotson at guard, but they have to figure out who's going to be their Adoka as a big way this year. Uh, that's going to be the big part of their puzzle. But if they can figure out and manufacture a good interior game, uh, then you know I really think they have a chance to be a contender uh, for the national championship as well. Texas Tech, it really all depends on their transfers. They took in four quality graduate uh, or uh, underclass transfers that are all playing this year. Just with that group, they can have a starting lineup. But as they showed last year, trying to coalesce transfers with – the players they have now doesn't always work the way you hope it will. So depending upon how those four guys coalesce with what they have, Kyler Edwards and the rest of that group, they could end up being contenders in the Big 12 and maybe even end up being contenders on the national stage. And I wouldn't rule out West Virginia. I think Bob Huggins is absolutely right. I can't speak for the last 10 years of West Virginia basketball, but certainly this is the most talented team he's had since uh, Javon Carter and Daxter Miles left. He's got tremendous height inside. He's got tremendous depth across the floor. Mm-hmm. If they can just figure out the point guard situation, uh, you know, giving themselves a steady guy uh, who can run the point for them every night and move Miles McBride to kind of that off guard where I think he's more comfortable, then this becomes a very, very difficult team to handle night in and night out in the Big 12. Uh, and Trent and I are in a great spot because we sit in Big Ten and Big Twelve country, and both of those conferences are going to be rock fights. They're going to be so good to watch. Matt Poston's Heartland College Sports. Matt, just real quick, Bedlam next week because I don't think we'll speak with you next week. Uh, you've been very gracious with your time. Oklahoma or Oklahoma State get the W? Oh gosh, where is that game? Is it in? Oh, it's in Norman, Oklahoma. You take a note. I think you. Okay, good stuff, yeah, Matt Poston. Uh, we will talk to you um, after that game at some point. Thank you for what you do, Matt Postens. Have a wonderful week. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Good to talk to you. Heartland College Sports for our friend Matt Postens. Postens Postcards is where you can follow Matt on Twitter. Who do you like in Bedlam? Oklahoma. I do, too. So Iowa State needs to lose. For, for tiebreakers for Oklahoma, Iowa State's got the head-to-head, so Iowa State would have to lose twice. But not necessarily because it's not... Because it very well could be a three or a four team tiebreak. If it's just them head to head, yeah. But what's the likelihood of that? That there's just well, I'm trying to knock Oklahoma out for Iowa State's sake. But that not unless right. it's just those goes, two. Then it goes to differential, right? And if it's just those two, uh-huh. yeah, of course they have the head to head. But that's not going to be the case. I don't feel. What's Wait, Iowa State finish with? What? Who does who? What? How many losses are left on the Iowa State schedule? So, case let's say K State happens. Yeah, K State at home, they're going to get them finally. I'm I finally agree. coming around. They've lost 11 of 12. Yes, they get them. Then they go to Austin. They're better than Texas. They're better than Texas. Sam Hellinger's the better quarterback on the field. And then they finish at home to West Virginia. So they're running the table. You've got them running the table. No, I know better. than I that. think they lose once, two and one. And two and one would put them at seven and two. They're getting a spot. Yeah, seven and two gets you a spot. One of the two spots. I don't care who's what side of the field you're on. Just be in the building. What if there's a three way tie at seven and two? So who's the who are the other teams? Oklahoma, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And the round robin happens. 
I hate tiebreakers because then it involves math and you lose me. <laughs> How much would that stay? You go seven and two, but you don't get in. So Oklahoma State right now has they they play this week, correct? And they no. still got they don't. So they've got the Baylor game the week before the championship correct. game. It's rescheduled. So Oklahoma State has Bedlam next week. Mm-hmm. That's their second loss, if we're right. Yes. Then Texas Tech at home. Win. Win. At TCU, tougher than you think. Possibly. At Baylor. Those last two, pretty tricky. So if they lose one and lose one more, Iowa State, if they Iowa State can lose a game. Now look at if they run the if they if they run the table, there. they're the regular season conference champion. Mm-hmm. How about that? How about that? Texas game is it's massive. It's not a stretch. It's not a stretch. West Virginia's better than I thought. You were on them earlier than I was. I'm late to the party. But the Mountaineers are better. Deggie's a good player. Yes. I'll give you that. And their defense is good. Yes. And they should have. They got screwed last they week, did. Trent. Yes, I yeah. hate blaming officials. Yeah. They got screwed. Yeah. Big time. It's going to be a fun race down the stretch. Speaking of down the stretch, that's where we are in this radio program for a Wednesday. Back to wrap it up, Will. Mr. Maction redeem himself after last night. We'll see Miller and Condon, fourteen sixty KXNO, one of your side. All right, Miller and Condon, final couple of minutes of the program. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Lee Sterling tomorrow. He just sent his slate of games he's going to opine on. Penn State, Nebraska, Indiana, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio. Boys all over the Big Ten. It's all Big Ten. Ohio State, Maryland, Iowa, Minnesota. That game on Friday night. I know you got to be working at work. Friday's for high school. I know. Not anymore. Um, Minnesota. Iowa three and a half. The Hawks are favored now. They are start. It opened as a pick, depending on where you looked. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where Circa had it. Uh, if you missed the beginning of the program, Iowa's sports wagering numbers are out for the month of October. Set a record, just under eighty-two million dollars wagered on sports in the state, and the betters did not do well in the month of October as the properties held eleven point one percent, which is absolutely huge. Raking it in over there. Yep. I took them in October. November's not off to the same kind of start, though. We got the Masters. This is something else for me to lose money at, so let's uh, fire at a couple of picks. And that's a good idea. That's a great point as far as November's numbers. Uh Not only you have the football, but golf's pretty popular to do. It is. You know, after every round. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that should should be good. So are you going to play? Are you going to bet the Masters? I got uh, a couple of picks. I got Fleetwood. What'd you get Tommy at? 55 to 1. Big price? Why not? And my other uh, single play to win, Patrick Cantlay, at 28 to 1. So those are my two picks, just like the numbers on those. Got Finau to finish in the top 10, got him plus 450. And where are you getting these props at? DraftKings? This is all DraftKings, yep, is where I got all these. Do you like that uh, their app is much better than William Hill, right? It is, yes. That surprises me because as big as William Hill, as global as Mm -hmm. William Hill is, you would think that they would be. Um, that their app would shine as much as any of the others. DraftKings, they do a great job. I hear a lot that from more everybody. Props, yeah. A lot more options, and uh, including this one. Will Tiger make the cut? I bet the no. You did. What'd you get? Two to one. Two bet to the one. no I'm making the cut. And uh, one fun one. We're going to get a playoff. We haven't had one in three years. 
Got that a three to one that this thing ends in a playoff. But when are they going to play the playoff? <laughs> That's true. Maybe Monday. You can't do it in the dark. You'd have to move to Monday. Uh, we're going to move out of here. More local programming, though, coming your way at two o'clock with Murph and Andy. Uh, the Fanatics will be in at four. What day is it? Wednesday. So Hawkeye. Hawk Central. Hawk Central tonight at uh, six. Are you doing the show? No, it'll be Ross that'll be in tow. Maction, though, Mr. Maction. Lakes Chris Creighton's Eastern Michigan Eagles. What's the number on that game? Get nine. Getting nine on Eastern Eagles. We'll, well try we'll to bounce see. back. Uh, you were terrible yesterday. It was awful. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. 1460 KXNO 106.